Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. Uh, laid back couch edition. My name is Braden Gall. You can get to me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram Aaron underscore Dugan. Braden has already called me demonic today, That's and I'm wearing my hood to, uh, I don't know, try to live up to, I don't know, be harder. It's I need to be, I want to be harder. But as usual, Aaron likes to throw misinformation out on the pod as fast as possible. Mike Rodek's going to be on the show today. Alabama, State of the Union. Is Alabama's dynasty in decline, Aaron? Is it in decline? I'm Is this Grim finally Re the time that I'm the it's Grim actually... Reaper of Alabama. <laughs> That's what I'm doing right now. You're dressed like you're murdering the tide. Uh, no, Mike Rodek, <laughs> AL.com, going to join us a little bit later on. Give us an Alabama State of the Union. Uh, Michael Bratton, who filled in admirably for you last week on the show, said that he's very concerned about the Alabama Crimson Tide. Paul Feinbaum was on last week's episode, so I have a question to ask you about Nick Saban coming okay. up in just a minute. Uh, but we're gonna have we're gonna have a light episode considering all the death talk to start the show. We're gonna have a light episode. <laughs> we're gonna go through the superlatives, our favorite things. We're gonna do stadiums and rivalries and ta college towns, bars and restaurants, logos, mascots. We're gonna have some fun and keep it light today. That, is that okay with you? I'm laying on. I'm <laughs> yeah, sitting I on took a couch. My hood off. I'm feeling very relaxed, so I thought we'd keep it light today on the show. What do you think? Yeah, I felt like in order to keep it light, I was going to have to lose the fully hooded look. And I, and if you're watching on YouTube, I did lose the hood, and I'm, I'm ready to be positive. If you're watching on YouTube, we, of course, at the Cast Collective Studio. Aaron, I'll get you to tell everybody about that in just a second. You can also see all of our fancy University Tradition hats on the table. Good friends at University Traditions. Make sure you check them out as well. Um, all right, so before we get into all this different stuff today on the show, Aaron, please tell everybody if they are coming to Nashville, more importantly, maybe if their friends are coming to Nashville or if they know someone who's coming to Nashville, their mom's coming to Nashville, what should they do if they need like a little private event space that's walking distance to a lot of cool stuff in Nashville? We are at our studio, the Cast Collective, run by... Sean P. Diddy Combs and myself, uh, my brother. Um, it is on Music Row, like right in historic district of Music Row where all the recording studios are. So there's a lot of like foot traffic. If you're in Nashville and you're visiting, you probably have this street on your list to come visit. But we do everything from podcast recordings, obviously, um, and photo shoots. We have events here. We just had like a really cool music industry night event on Thursday. Thanks for the invite. Um, Appreciate it. Well, it wasn't technically my event. Oh, um, okay. Well, you have parties all the time and don't invite me. You're like, I had all my friends over for the Super Bowl. It was so fun. And I'm like, you don't invite. So why? you know what I'm saying? Sean P. Diddy Combs was invited. I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was. <laughs> uh, I will also apologize uh, to you South Carolina fans. You challenged me a couple of weeks ago on the show. You said, Braden, you've got to do something for these South Carolina folks that you continue to torment psychologically. Which you're about to do again. With but your football you. takes. No, no, no. The challenge was I was hosting Feinbaum and you said... Hey, here, I, I'm going to give you something to say on the show so that South Carolina, a, a shout out to South Carolina fans. You didn't even say what I wanted you to say. Yeah, you did. I wrote it down. I, I, I was supposed to say that I'm basically a large giant doofus, and, but like in South Carolina lingo. And I did. And so we have that clip. We're going to play it for you a little bit later on in the show. And we'll see if it suffice, see if it's a, a good enough apology for you. Okay. I'm not who, it's not for me. I'm not the one that's been tortured by you. And drug through this turbulent relationship that you have with the Gamecocks. I'm good. Okay. Uh, SEC superlatives off the field. Should we call it that off the field superlatives? Sort of like it's not necessarily off the field. We got traditions. We got true. marching band stuff. It's our favorite non X's and O's, non non like 
gameplay. Yeah. Right? Favorite, no so it's like a very light episode. Then we'll have an Alabama State of the Union, Mike Rodeck, of course, a little bit later on. My apology to South Carolina fans. Let's start real quickly with the question. Doesn't mean it. By the way, uh, shout out to our music on the show. It's been a part of this show since the, the very, very beginning. The Wild Feathers. The Wild Feathers. Uh, my daughters love it. My wife love it. I've loved them for a long time. I've been at concerts way too drunk, singing way too loudly at their songs. Uh, but they've been a part of this show since the very beginning. Also, Georgia fan fans. Yes, Georgia fans. They're from Austin and Nashville, so they kind of overlap the old and the new SEC. So if you haven't, uh, if you ever wondered what the amazing and spectacular and awesome music is on this show, make sure you go check out the Wild And they've come on the show. They've been guests. They have. They have. Ben, shout out. Ben. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's, I think that's enough bills. My question about Saban. So Paul Feinbaum said this. I asked him last week, and I said, Paul... What is the thing that is going to drive Nick Saban out of the business? You like, can't ask Paul Feinbaum a question like that without having a really, really, really obnoxious Southern accent. Paul. Paul. Hey, Paul. Uh, and the, the producers of the show, want, and this is, this is kind of a humble brag, and I don't mean it to be because it sounds terrible. I'm sure but, you do. Like, they want to change the, the intro to better call Gall. Like, like call, call Gall. You know, it's call Ball, call Paul. You mean it when you're on it? When that when I because I'm hosting again this week. Just check it out Friday. Um, they said, "Can we do? Can we do Kyle Gall?" And I was like, "I don't think you guys want to do that. Like, I don't. I don't want to do that. Why not? You, I'm, you that. didn't think of it. Come on, tell the truth. I will say this, Jim in Tuscaloosa. You are scared. You're scared. If you're scared by a dog, legend AC. I love you guys. Okay. I don't know what that means. So I asked Paul the question. What's going to drive him away? And he said, basically, in a roundabout way, go listen to the whole interview and check it out on YouTube. But basically, the answer was lo losing. When he can no longer win championships as consistently as he has, that was it. What, if I asked you, what do you think it is that drives him away from coaching and eventually leads to his retirement, what, what is it that you think causes that? I mean, I think if he's even close, I would go the opposite. I would say epically winning and like a very like decisive way and going out on that note. But I will say when you come off that high for any coach of like a national championship or kind of some of the postseasons that Saban's been a part of, it's hard to walk away from. But if he's even thinking about it, I see him going out on an epic winning season rather than a, a losing one. I, so I just don't see him fizzling out. I, I, see I feel him. the same way. I, I feel similar to you. Not Paul knows him a lot better than we do, but I agree with you. I could see him like he we know that he softened when he had grandkids and we know that he kind of softened with the tornado and all that stuff that happened at the same time. He mm -hmm. kind of like gained perspective, which one, which happens to someone when they are, you know, you know, when they have grandkids. But I, I also think like to me, he maintains this certain level of expectation of himself on like a minute by minute meeting to meeting, like hour by hour, day to day basis. So like he demand like and if you know anything about him. He, he's in a meeting. That's the only thing he cares about. Mm -hmm. Like that's what makes him great is Very his ability. Present. It, yes, it, exactly the right word. It, that's his ability to make him his moment and that time like perfect. Execute mm -hmm. th whatever it is we're doing. I'm sweeping the floor. Better be a perfectly goddamn swept floor. Like right. that's it. And that's what makes him great. And I'm, I could see him just waking up one morning in like June and just being like, oh, I wasn't as good as I was yesterday. Yeah. And like his own. He's not meeting his own standards. And therefore saying, this is not for me anymore. I'm not doing the right thing for Alabama and my players. So I'm you think it'll have less to do with the wins and losses and more to do with like his own execution on a day-to-day? -day? Like that's my personal feeling. But you and Paul both kind of went like into the wins and losses territory. And I can see, I think it's a confluence of all of the events. Like let's say he loses to Kirby a few more times. Or he wins one more championship. 
maybe he has another grandkid and he doesn't feel like he's executing to his personal levels. Mm-hmm. All that may come together and lead to, I just think it's going to be random as hell. I don't think it's going to be like yeah. an orchestrated, you know, Hey, this is my last year. We're going to have a going away party at the end of the season. <laughs> like yeah. Just, yeah. That doesn't feel like Nick Saban to me. I, I will know. say he'll do it at a time. Like I'm, I'm not saying it won't be random, but I, I do think he'll do it at a time, the perfect time that sets the program up to have someone come in. Because we've seen people leave at yeah. unideal times, and then the coaching scramble, and then it's hard to deal with like transfers and transfer portal and all that. So I do think he'll do it with great consideration for who's coming behind him, but don't know when that will be, obviously. If it's a new collection of people in charge at Alabama, it will be Lane Kiffin. If it's a, the same collection of people in charge at Alabama, I'm not sure it'll be Lane Kiffin. Mm-hmm. meaning like the power brokers and Greg Byrne and, and some other right. people. Um, either way, we'll answer the question after our State of the Union with Mike Rodek from AL.com. We will answer the question, is the Alabama dynasty ending? Aaron, we'll get your thoughts on that at the end of the show. All right, let's lighten the mood. Superlatives. This is completely subjective, and if you would like to chime in, especially on the bars and restaurants portion of this, mm. I, I want people, because I have not been to every SEC's, uh, every SEC town. I've been yeah, to you most, have. I've been have to most not? of them. And, and, and I'm taking the kids. This is how nerdy we are. We're, we're going up to the Ozarks in the, later in the fall with the kids. And we are intentionally taking a route that takes me through Columbia, South, uh, Missouri. Is, is that the only one left on your list? Uh, it might. It, uh, Fayetteville. You haven't been to Fayetteville at all? I have not been to Fayetteville. Oh, you're missing out. I know, dude. It's, I hear great things. I, th- those might be the only two now that I think about it. Um, but, I have not been to Missouri. That's it. But because we haven't been to every single bar and restaurant in every single town, and there's a million great ones all across the Southeast, please chime in. YouTube comments at, at Braden Gall, at the Aaron Dugan, wherever. Just let us know what we're missing. Um, I've got a list of stuff. But we're going to do uniforms, stadiums, traditions, rivalries, oh, towns. uniforms. That's what I forgot. Logos, mascots. Thanks for prepping. Uh, nickname, fight songs. We're going to do our favorite stuff in the SEC because it's a light time of the year. It's downtime. And, you know, we're just going to have a little fun here. Um, I was going to start with uniforms, but I guess I should give you a minute to prepare for that. I don't think it'll take me long. Because I have a number one greatest uniform in the SEC, period, full stop. I've got – hold on. Give me two seconds. Well, you can start because I already got my two. I have my – the first two that came to mind for me. Now, we are not including Texas and Oklahoma, but you may, as you see fit, include them if you want to. Okay. Okay, so, like, if you love – I love the Texas uniforms. I think the Texas uniforms are great. They would not be number one on my list, but I think they're up there among the top two or three mm-hmm. when they join the SEC. But LSU is the best uniform in the in the conference. I'm sorry. I just, in my opinion, man. LSU has good uniform. LSU is my favorite uniform. That's I'm, it. I would go LSU, number f- one, best uniform. First two things that come to mind for me are smoky gray Tennessee uniforms. Really? I love those. Okay. Is that a hot take? I think that's, I, I think and the I grays... Love- I think the grays have come around on Tennessee. No, fans. I love the gray. I th- I love the gray, and okay. I like. Right. I also like the straight up all white with the orange. Yeah, stormtrooper. Yeah. Love the stormtrooper. And then the Ole Miss baby blues. So I have Ole Miss powder blues as my number two. Powder blue. That would be my number two, or baby blues, whatever. That, 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 yeah. That would be my number two. Um, they're just phenomenal. We could I even do them. helmets as its own category. What about could. the worst like? Like situation for a second. Remember when Florida did the gator pants and shoes or so the gator all orange, shoes? The all orange gator where it's like, Florida fans, I love you very much, but your orange is trashy. Okay. Tennessee's orange is not, is, is a little bit better. Auburn's one's, orange. One's not like way less trashy Auburn's than Auburn's orange. Yeah, but it's just dirtier. Florida's orange is dirtier well, they're than in Tennessee's the orange. Uh, yeah, it's trashy. 
It's trashier. You're trashy. Auburn's orange is classy. Texas's orange is pretty classy. Uh, there's some oranges that like I like darker orange, darker shades of orange, which is ironic because Tennessee goes brighter. But it, the reason Tennessee orange is orange is because it matches the trees in the Smoky Mountains in the fall and it matches the campus. Well, maybe Florida has a reason that their orange is that color. Right. When they're picking up trash on the side of the road. That's God. in their convict outfit. No, Florida fans, I'm kidding. I love you guys. Way to just. I do not. The, now all, that Braden has now ruined two of our main no, target about, markets, all of South Carolina and all of Florida. Watch this. And I'm going to make Sean PDD Combs do some work on this. Flash up the. The Florida throwbacks with the big, the white helmets and the big F on the side that Tebow wore that are like bright, they're not bright blue, but they're like royal blue. Mm-hmm. And they have like the, the stripes on the shoulder pads and the white helmet with the F. Those are one of the best uniforms in the history of the SEC. So I can say that Florida has one of the best uniforms in the history of the SEC. They don't wear them very often. Everything is conditional with you. Unbelie- they're unbelievable <laughs> uniforms, but guess what? Uniforms are completely subjective. It's totally what you think. I'm, I just think LSU's color palette, like their color, their scheme is Braden's the like, you're trash, your uniform's trash, your color orange is trash, but everything's just subjective. It's all, it's just my opinion. And Gainesville's the 14th best town in the SEC. No, I'm kidding. Starkville's worse. Um, he has not been to Columbia, Missouri again. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, I think, it, we, we, let's do logo then, because I do think. Well, you didn't respond to my like gators. Remember when Florida did that, like. It was like gator skin. Was it shoes or pants? Oh, I know what Remember you're talking that? about. I know what you're talking about. The, the, so I don't. I wasn't really considering like third uniforms, but I know. I know, what you're but like about. I'm just talking about a bad. It's run. Ba- it was bad. It was, it was bad. really bad. I also think black uniforms, when it is not your primary color, look terrible. Do you like A and M's all black? No, I don't like Tennessee's black. I think it looks terrible. I think black looks awesome on Vanderbilt. Looks awesome on Missouri, and occasionally Georgia, maybe. Because it's kind of a primary color, but it's like more secondary. But I just don't think I don't want to see Mississippi State in a black uniform. I don't want to see Kentucky no. in a black uniform. I don't want to see South I Carolina like, can South Carolina can get away with it. Mm-hmm. South Carolina can get away with it because it's kind of part of their scheme. Kentucky does. Ha- Kentucky's had some good bouts of like helmet game, like their chrome helmets and stuff. Do you like them? I do like the chrome. My, one of my favorite helmets is the Vanderbilt all white. Mm-hmm. The white helmet with like the storm. Tro- when Vanderbilt goes stormtrooper, I think they. I, I love yeah, the stormtrooper. Me thing. too. It, they look great. Uh, logos. If we're gonna go logo, I think. Don't even get me started on Vanderbilt. Yeah, I know. I didn't want. I like millions I like- of dollars on a rebrand to change the font of the V. <laughs> and take the and star you're calling away, me for money. And take the star away that makes it very like recognizable, right? I know. I love. I think Georgia's logo is hard to beat because it's so simple. It's so direct. I'm also a huge Green Bay Packers fan, which is the same logo. Mm -hmm. I think the power T is extremely well designed. I put Georgia and Tennessee. Uh, Auburn, I I like that. I don't like Auburn's. You don't? Mm -mm. Okay. I like like the Ole Miss script is pretty good too. Yep. I like that one. Um, The Razorback is solid. Just the I, razorback. There's, there's something cool. about that sol- like the solidarity of one letter that just gets me. Like the T, the G, like we're talking about. Do you like the script A for Alabama? Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm kind of the same way. It just <laughs> doesn't feel yeah. like a stamp. Plus, you got all those championships. Uh, the, I think the best one will be the, the Longhorn. It's strong. The Longhorn logo just just got the shape of it all. Just perfect logo. Just a perfect logo. There, there is it. There's a UT 
the no, letters? It's, it's, no, it's just the it's just longhorn. The they don't it, yeah, ever do like letter. Long, it's the long. They don't ever just use a letter. Um, no, I think there was an old one with like Daryl Royal, maybe that was like the word Texas and like script, maybe. But like I think it was. It's just been the Longhorn logo forever, okay. and it's very simple. I like simple. I know you're a big fan of simple and clean. Like I like the simple clean stuff. Um, so I don't know. I, how, how about how about nickname favorite nickname? Because there's a lot of tigers and wildcats, and none of y'all count. Yeah. Um, favorite nickname. I mean, I love. There's too many tigers and and bulldogs. I too. I wrote literally too many tigers. Too many paper. tigers. Too many wildcats. But too I many will bulldogs. say of the tigers that do it, think about the discrepancy in like execution on the tiger between Mike the tiger at LSU and Obby. I mean, you mean like the see now Obby? Sorry guys, Obby needs or like. Are you talking about the the way he's dressed or like the actual name tigers? No, I'm talking about like the actual tiger because Mike the tiger is a real ass yeah, yeah. tiger, and Obi looks like Obi looks like he needs to be the next like uh, the case on Queer Eye. Like he needs a rebrand. <laughs> he just looks like he looks like someone <laughs> drew a tiger from memory. I I do that's true, and that he looks kind of crazy in the eyeballs. He looks crazy. Yeah, he, looks, he looks pretty strung out on meth. There's no question. Uh, I will say this: I like I love Smokey. The old '60s logos for the Tigers, Auburn mm-hmm. and LSU. They're like the old cartoon. With like the weird tilted sailor hat and mm-hmm. stuff, like I love those old logos. Um, I I don't know how like I like the unique ones, Razorbacks, Gamecocks, yeah, you know, Commodores, Volunteers will probably be a next tier down. Like Crimson Tide is literally named after a group of people in the stands. I just don't like like that doesn't that's not that. And it's an uh, yeah, you could say go out ele- like go elephants. Y- yes, but you don't. If you're if you're a tiger, a wildcat, or a bulldog, you're off. If you're named after a but if you're a tiger. You- Good job for having a real tiger. That that we'll get to we'll get to mascots in a second. Although caged but, wild animals. But I just like the ones that you've never heard. Like there's not a single team in America that is the Razorbacks or the mm-hmm. Gamecocks. There's not mm-hmm. another nobody in Division One. No FBS schools. No out of the 133. There's nobody that has that. And yep. I I like the uniqueness of those. But again, Volunteers and Commodores are kind of cool. Commodores better than Volunteer in my opinion. But they're like another. They're a tier down. Um, Are we forgetting like, someone? I, I'm trying to. It's like I, Arkansas well, really kills it because you've got. I mean, we'll get Aggies to this. is also one that's been around. Like other teams use that. It's not a new one. So other there's another team with Commodores. Is it in Division One? No, maybe not Division One. Kansas State used to be the Aggies, and then they changed to the Wildcats. Real creative. All right, well then let's go to mascot then because we're already talking about it. Look, oh, that's what were we doing? I was doing nicknames. Oh, well, it's just kind of the same. No, Mike that's the true. Tiger is one of the greatest mascots of all time. The, the word tiger is the most uncreative mask nickname of all time. You yeah. See what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know how it's not cocky. Best dance moves in the, in the, in the conference. Love cocky. South Carolina fans, you hear what I'm saying? I like your nickname. I like your mascot. I like your black uniforms. All positive. Cocky's just, dance moves are the best just dance Just not moves. your execution. Cocky's dance moves are the best moves, on right? Either, on either side of the ball, the coaching staff, and Stop the personnel. It. I like the team, and I apologize, and you'll hear it later. Isn't who does a bet like Smokey's pretty cool. Mike I love the, Smokey. Mike the Tiger's pretty people cool. People freak Smokey. out when Smokey comes out. Yeah, and he and he's got a real my my. I will say my father, Uga's pretty solid. My daughters do love Smokey. They like they like him as like a, a logo and a mascot. Yeah, he's like, great. Yeah, he runs Smokey. off on the field and people freak out. Then really there's Uga. <laughs> yeah, with the absolute opposite approach, who hates the heat, is just yeah. doing everything he can to like get out of the sun. Please lift my jowls so Not that you can wipe sh- the boogers out of my jowls. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. run across the field or run at all. Uh, revelry, of course, is the beautiful 
Texas A&M dog um, that's out there as well. She's got the beautiful dog there. Um, just not as cool as as um, as Smokey or Mike the Tiger as terms of real mascots or Ugga. Um, but as far as like the ones that are dressed up on game day, I think Cocky's the best. Like I don't know I who agree. does a better job. Um, no one executes it better than Cocky does. I mean, the land he's sharks are like shaking it around. Yeah, it's great. yeah. But Cocky really like full send from yes. Cocky. Yes, it's great. Uh, which leads us to, I don't know where you want to go. Do you want to go stadiums here? We can go stadiums. We can go stadiums. Stadiums is about, about to piss everybody off. I had a really tough time with this because they're, they're all so great. Um, tr- truly, like some of them are a little bit more, like less renovated than others. That's for sure true. But that's just like part of the, the natural cycle of a stadium. Like I don't think the swamp right now is in particularly great. It's like getting better because they just did a huge facility right. upgrade, but like the stadium is still It's there's not there's as. different there's like a stadium. You can go stadiums and environment as separate things. Yes. Yes. So Van- Vanderbilt do doesn't do- actually have one right now. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like actually torn down. I know. They're rebuilding it right now um, as we speak. The let's do stadiums and environments because they're different. I don't so, know how like I don't know stadiums, how it's not LSU I mean, then. What? I don't know how it's not LSU. Yeah. But my favorite. You mean environment or physical stadium? Like if you're put, if you're putting them together, like it's you're LSU saying, or I, I don't know how it's not LSU. I mean A and M's. A and M's. So I, I went and it's like, probably those two. I went and toured the facilities in College Station like right after the renovation and ended up sitting at like the top row. I went to the very top row of the stadium just to see what it feels like, and mm-hmm. it, it, you are it's like Neyland Stadium in that you are like looking straight down on the field, like yeah. it is it is monstrous, mm-hmm. and that, and I think that's how you want it to feel. Um, I personally enjoy the charm of, of um, Jordan-Hare Stadium at, at Auburn and Sanford Stadium at Georgia. They, there's just more – there's something about, like, being in the trees and the hill, a little bit more hilly. And, and you just haven't sort of been like to Arkansas. I, I have not – it's true, I have not been Overlooks, to Arkansas. like, on the mountain, the view's insane. I bet you that – I completely agree. So, yeah, true tr- – yeah, tr- in interest of full disclosure, I've not been to Missouri or Arkansas, so that's that's very fair. Um, but I like the the power and the noise of LSU, Tennessee, and A and M. Those are, are the if are you the put three, everything probably. together, like environment and stadium, those are the top three. If you just win environment, I say Williams Bryce is way up there. Yeah, South Carolina's environment is. Yeah crazy like you can feel it sh- like yeah. shaking and everybody does sandstorm which is i guess is the tradition question but um that yeah. would be yeah it's on, i got it written down here south carolina. i got a lot of south carolina positive i mean there's a lot of ga- yeah there's a lot of good things about south carolina game I, if you're telling me like which pick a stadium you can go watch like a top five matchup in death valley lsu's number one for like the environment but like for the but for like what's the phrase like the the scene mm-hmm. it would probably be athens or auburn I'd probably go Sanford Stadium. I'd probably go Athens. I Between would go the hedges, like it's just you got it's the big Saturday. pine trees and like the whole thing is so idyllic. It's yeah. I like idyllic over like urban or super super you know, like Starkville's just kind of middle of nowhere. But I'll be fascinated to see Missouri because I'm going to force my parent my, my parents as a parent. I'm going to force my children and like wife you to stop. Are supposed to be the parent. Yeah, I'm going to force them to stop. True story. On the way to the beach one year, we stopped at Troy, Alabama, so I could see the Troy Stadium. Because we were driving through, and I was like, "We're not going to drive right through Troy, Alabama, and not look at the at the, at the stadium." I'm sure your um, family was stoked for that. Uh, you want to go tradition? Yeah, we can go tradition. Did we leave anybody out of that big time? Because town is different. Let's do town. Now. Town? You want to do town? Because we're already talking about. I don't stadiums. know how it's. I don't know how it's not Auburn uh, or Athens. 
<laughs> I mean, Oxford's Same. pretty freaking cool. Oxford's pretty fun. I love going to Oxford. It's pretty awesome. I mean, in like the outside and the tailgating, we could do, do that as a separate. If category we're doing too. tailgate, I Oxford would have with the, Walk of Champions through it. I would is have good. the Grove as the number one tailgate by far. Yeah, Baton Rouge with just like the sea of Creole gumbo and deliciousness and half it's just naked more people spread out. and it, and it's kind of like it's not to me what I love about LSU is it's not as charming an area like yeah. it's more parking lots and kind of spread out like you said I, to me the grove is so it's got more of that like intimate vibe and intimate feel there's just not cuz we're going to get to like so UT and I wanted to ask you about this Tennessee's doing this whole U- entertainment district on top of their parking garage right outside Neyland Stadium and part of the reason I think it's a great idea for Tennessee, but not necessarily for other places, and this is actually a good little pause here in the conversation. And actually stop. Sean, are we good on reset? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, leave it in. I think, like, because in between Neyland Stadium and the river, there's, like, nothing there. Mm-hmm. It's not charming at all. There's no, like, little gratchy, gratchy, gr- grass patches. Gratchy. Gratchy. There's no, like, little spaces to, like, set up, like, the grove. Right, like there's nothing like that right there. It's just the stadium and like a parking garage, the G20, like a like you got Calhouns or whatever, no free yep. shouts, and then like the like the little frontage roads and then the river. It's not nearly charming enough. So what Danny White and Tennessee's doing is building an entertainment district on top of all those garages. So it's going to be like open air, you know, markets and food so food places and stuff, and like a hotel. It's right there. And I'm, it will be, I think it is the wave of the future in college football in the SEC, but I think it works better in Columbia. I think it works better in Austin, Texas. I think it works better in Lexington, uh, Kentucky. I think it will look, I think if Vanderbilt was a quote unquote big boy, I think they would have an extraordinarily built up like entertainment district because West End is very popular in Nashville. Ten- Vanderbilt's just not baked into it as much because they're just, it's not Tennessee. How or are we not since they're trying to raise $3 billion? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, have they asked you for money? <laughs> yes. But like, what do you think of the, like the entertainment district style, like Wrigleyville or the place that's outside of, uh, is it I mean, the battery I, that's outside the Brave Stadium? I don't e- remember what. I think it's the battery, isn't it? it? Something like that. But the, but it's like this kind of fanville. What do I think about that? For Tennessee, district. you mean? Or or in general as a, as a like I wouldn't want to see it at LSU. Yeah, it, it wouldn't feel that authentic. I kind of think about like, it kind of is like Omaha-esque, like the little places around that, Omaha. Yes, it's exactly right. Yeah. Um, it's I mean, like a way to make money and to, uh, create a party venue, but like you don't need that if you have the Grove. I know. There's like more authenticity to like the Grove not having to be, it's like not forced, but it's also, it's so much more picturesque and there's so much greenery. So it's like you don't really right. have to do that there. Um, I don't know. I guess if they kept it authentic and it wasn't just like, you know, you know, like new restaurants we never heard of or like Hat World or like just dumb stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? That it wouldn't feel like. Buy your boots next yeah. to Neyland Stadium. Yeah, no, it needs to barn. be a place to like party. Yeah. Because like Tennessee doesn't really have. So like Circle Park, which is where I spent a whole lot of time in college, is like a big kind of park that's grass, but it's like up the hill from the stadium. And there's not, it's, there's no place any, there's nothing like the Grove, in my opinion. And then like Auburn and Georgia kind of have like these pathways that kind of weave yeah. through the campus to get I to their stadium. I always think about walking to the Georgia games. Like there's yes. something about, oh, it's so cause you great. can just see it. Like when the train it, tracks. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Opens up. I, I think, um, like Baton Rouge, like LSU is just sort of 
uh, it's like kind of like Kansas City, the Chiefs, where it's just this monstrosity of passion and noise and partying, but it's just kind of like a large flat spot, mm-hmm. which is most of Louisiana, to be fair. Yeah. And then like Notre Dame is very similar. Notre Dame yeah. has just, it's just like a big, large, flat parking lot, but like you're standing next to this beautiful stadium that's going to be so crazy that you I know what where we were doing. Are. are we doing tailgating right now? What are we doing? I, I don't know. We're just, we're talking we're about the entertainment district in, in okay. Knoxville. And I don't want to see it done in certain places. I would not want to see it done in Oxford. I would not want to see it done in Auburn or Georgia. I I think it would work in Austin because this, the campus is downtown and the stadium is like yeah. next to an interstate. Yeah. And like, like what you, you said about Vanderbilt, like if it, if they were going to, there was room and they were going to do it, it would work here because it's already a city. It's yes. not a college town. Right. It like, that's why Columbia is like Columbia, South Carolina, uh, Lexington, Kentucky, Austin, Texas, Vanderbilt, Knoxville, I, they all I, again, make sense. Fayetteville, I don't know how, how it sits in the in the community. In Athens, you don't need it. Right. South Carolina, everyone's just outside the stadium. Like South Carolina is I mean, people go to restaurants around there, but like it's kind of like Would it work? If you build like a again, whatever an entertainment district could look like around that stadium, would it work? I I think it I think, I think it, could. it could. I don't know if they need it. I think it does when you're in bigger cities. I think when you're in these small college like kind of towns I, that's where it's like it doesn't make sense to me yeah so anyway keep an eye on what's going to happen outside of, outside of Neyland it's going to be very interesting um, okay what are we at now college towns still um, I mean yeah, Oxford Athens and Auburn are my Auburn is my favorite probably because everything about that town is centered around one thing one identity one purpose there is no other thing in that place it well, is neither just, is there in College Station but but Auburn is is nicer. I go, I go, um, uh, Athens and Oxford. Uh, those are my three. Auburn was number one on my list, but uh, uh, Oxford and Athens. Should we do traditions since we're talking? Yeah. Like, Cause I don't count the Grove as a tradition really. I, I walk of champions can. is. Yeah. I would a, count it as the best tailgate in the SEC. Traditions. Yeah. But I mean, there is like, there's something traditional about how bougie they are. I mean, do, like do you chandeliers count? in tents guys. <laughs> Then it would be number one on my list. I, I, I'm thinking more like Sandstorm. Yeah, that kind of tradition. That's like a tradition. The, that the one Midnight I love. Yell, the Midnight Yell midnight for Texas yell. A&M is a tradition. Um, the, running through the T and the Vol Navy for Tennessee would be a tradition. Um, everything about LSU's like pregame, halftime, like band um, is, is it Tiger? But does that count as like a tradition or just kind well, of like the Golden game Girl, day performance? They do uh, like the dun dun dun. I know that's kind of like their song. Keep, no, keep singing. But like the like their old dances that like never changed. <laughs> where it's literally like these these girls win national championships and they're literally doing this on the field and like on like the dance team. Like they just have they For those never of you watching on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, they do like these just big L shape and like these girls can also like are probably some of the most talented dancers right, in the and then nation. They just have to do the but one. they do okay. like they never changed that stuff from the very beginning of like when the marching band started playing. Don't put me in a box, LSU. No. Uh, t- Tumors Corner is at the top of the list. Like Rolling Tumors Corner for I guess I guess it used to be um I the what I, you, I, nobody that's not uh Mississippi State fan likes the cowbell, but we know you love your but own like, cowbell. So that's a great question. Does that count as a tradition? Because I think it counts as like game day atmosphere. Oh, I absolutely think it counts as a tradition. Okay. Then I like it. No, I don't want to be in the stadium for right. it, but I like it. I it, think, I think cool. if, if Sandstorm is a tr- tradition, so is the cowbell. Yeah, but that's pregame. That's like a pregame. That's like running it's still, through the so, tee. That's tradition, though. Okay. So is like, and then they, that. I mean, I they were the very first person to use 
the remember when they did hashtag hail state in the end zone yeah. no one had ever done anything like outside were, the that it like hail state really like picked up traction outside of mississippi when they did that we didn't have hashtags on here but i would i would argue that's the best one yeah like vfl we GBO, should do. anchor down gigum wde war damn eagle rtr roll roll tide roll rtr go dogs like rmft yeah the best the best Emma M I Z Z O U Mizzou like I I by far the best one's Hale State totally Hot, now okay what is hotty toddy what about as? Cox on top that's a, that's a hashtag <laughs> I, I did not sorry know to my that. interns I did not know that um you didn't uh, know that does hotty toddy count as a fight song or a tradition or neither I think it counts as both because everybody does it it's not just their fight song like everybody in the stadium does that. And oh, pre, you know and what? pregame and like walking around town. And what song does the Mighty Sound of the South always play? They they do a, uh, a no Darth idea. Vader song. Oh, is that because they went all like... Uh, bum, 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 ba, dum, bum. Yeah, Remember? yeah, that's the Death March. Yep. The Death March. They uh, do that on third down? I think so. Because they, they were Admiral Akbar for a while, right? Like they became uh -huh. the admirals or whatever. Yep. Um, I, like, I like Sandstorm, Tumor's Corner of All Navy. Would be three of my top. The midnight yell is pretty cool because it's not pig suey because it's the night before. But see, like pig suey to me is just a cheer chant. It's just well, then a we cheer. have to then we'll have to talk about the chants after this tradition. It's a no. It's two Arkansas fans. I love you guys, and I know there's a lot of new subscribers. We love you, but that is the most obnoxious. It's like with the cowbells. I really appreciate it as long as I'm not there. Yeah. What about Vol Navy? Vol Navy's near the top of the list. The only other place you can sailgate, University of Washington. Yep. If you can sailgate, I'm in. Mm -hmm. Count me in. Does everybody Boats know what sailgating is? Boats are a money pit, though. So can pull up right next. Will you explain Vol Navy for people? Who don't yeah, know it's just a, it. it's a bunch of boats that pull up on the on the river right there next to the stadium, and, mm -hmm. and that's where you sailgate. If you watched game day last year, you saw like Pat McAfee doing backflips into the freaking river. Do so. you and Vol Navy started from a former broadcaster at Tennessee not wanting to wait in traffic? Oh, that's did true. you know that? I think I did know that story. So he pulled up on Tennessee River to Neyland because he went away in traffic. I will say this. As a Tennessee alum, I will admit that the Washington cell getting is way better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The guy I used to work with, uh, used to be the head coach there, and I've done a few shows, Rick Neuheisel would take a boat from his office to the stadium on game day. It's so legit. Like, wow. That, that you, when you can take a boat from your football facility to your stadium, you're, you're, doing you're, living, it right. a, you're living a good life. So um, I think... Vols fans don't want to admit this. We are the second best sailgating party in the country. Yeah, but I don't sure. think there's a third one. No, there's not. Um, the what was I going to say? Oh, shit. Nice. Good job. Can we move on to the next topic? No, we forgot. There was one other. Oh, do you consider checkerboarding a tradition? I don't consider like third uniforms or checkerboarding the crowd like a blackout. Which I don't think works very well, it honestly, because it makes you it mutes the colors and it makes you not see as many people. When you do a whiteout, like at Penn State, you can see more people and it makes it seem more intimidating. Right. Checkerboarding looks cool on television and probably when you know, when you're in the stadium. I think I was there for the Oklahoma Baker Mayfield game that was checkerboarded, and it's fine. I, I don't I don't think I don't I wouldn't consider that a tradition. That's just something like. That's like a marketing gimmick. Yeah, it is marketing gimmick. <laughs> I will make an announcement, though, and I'm not speaking oh. directly to one school, but I kind of am. If you're doing a whiteout with another team, 
when it, we were playing someone that has a very large fan base and one of their colors is white, mm. it's going to look like everybody in your stadium is, I don't know, a Tennessee fan. So if you're doing a whiteout, you can't do a like whiteout against Tennessee and have all your fans wear white. And so it's only white and orange. I don't know why people oh, need to have this major, explained. I see what you're saying. But like, I mean, obviously, you got to do the blackout during Tennessee game. But it's like, what are we doing now? Every single person in the stadium is white and orange. I I hear you. Or a blackout against Georgia. You can't do that. As if they weren't all going to be wearing white and orange anyway. You said it. I was thinking it. Uh, I've told you the story about my daughter, right? She like shamed me into taking her to the Tennessee. Yeah, oh yeah, like so. I told the story last year. She shamed. Basically, we started watching the game at home. It's raining. It's nasty. We don't have tickets, and my six-year-old like does a, a crying face that she's never made before. It is not pain. It is not whining. It is shaming me as a it's father. It's disappointment. Yes, it she was, was disappointed. I've never seen this face before. So my wife looks at me and she does the eyebrows up like, "You gonna do something about that?" That's a good game to go. We to. jump in the truck. We go across town. We park for free. We get two free tickets. We go in. We sit in the rain, and she loves it. Second, third quarter, she makes it through the whole thing. She's six years old. Watches like seven touchdowns. Um, Thank you for adding that. And then, but but they're cheering so much. At one point during the end of the third quarter, like near the end of the third quarter, it's like I think the final score was like fifty nine to nothing. Sorry. And she looks at me one time, Dad, and she just goes, because I was teaching her about stadiums and like being on the road versus being at home, and she's like learning this stuff. And I was just like, this is Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt University. It's part of the Nashville. It's like our SEC school. And like I was being, I was not trying to like talk shit about Vanderbilt. No, I mean, I was just teaching her what road and home is and like what that means because she's kind of like, why is everybody, when we watch it on TV, she's always like, well, everyone's cheering for that team. And I'm like, well, that's because it's in their stadium. I'm trying to teach that. And at one point she looks up because the band and everything had been playing Rocky Top quite a bit that night. Yeah. And she looks at me and she just goes, she goes, dad, there's a lot of orange in the stadium Mm -hmm. after learning that it was a road game. Yeah, so and she's I was like, just confused. And I looked at her and I said, welcome to Vanderbilt football, honey. And she got it. So sorry. Yeah, and she, well, it, it's the better, the sooner she knows, the better. Speaking of best fight songs, not even close. Don't come at me with anything else that you have. It is Rocky Top. It is. The only, well, that might be the best fight song in the country, not the, just the SEC. The only fight song that is played at non-alumni weddings. Like a fan from Louisville and a fan from Virginia are getting married. And they're going to, they might have Rocky Top at their wedding. Um, the only one. Rocky Top's the best. I don't care how many times you've heard you're saying, it. You're saying non-fan, not just non-alumni. Yeah, non-fan, non-alumni, non-Tennessee people. So I was going to say, I've heard many a fight song played at a wedding. Right, 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 yes. And plenty of Alabama people, plenty, you know, like, hey, yeah, Alabama, like, I get it. Georgia's working on the railroad, like, a I get it. A cake this big with a real jumbotron made I, out of a cell phone. I get it. I'm saying I've heard more non-fans like fans play Rocky Top at their weddings just because they love the song. Yeah, it's true. It just it's not even close. Give me number 2. There's not a number 2. I'm going to sneeze. Trick question. There's not a number, not two. A number 2. Uh all right, rivalry. I don't think there listen, we all love the Iron Bowl, but it's not my favorite rivalry. Sorry. Bless Whoever's you. has headphones on. Bless you. Goodness gracious. Um I wrote down one rivalry that's my favorite rivalry. There can be some non-conference rivalries. Florida Georgia? If, if you want. That's Georgia, a good Florida. one too. When What's your favorite? It's subjective. You can pick whichever one you want. I, I have a very obvious answer, and it's not it's not Auburn, oh, Alabama. Really? The Egg Bowl. It is the Egg Bowl. Yep. The Egg Bowl is my favorite. It is not South Carolina, Texas A&M. No. <laughs> 
No. Whatever that trophy's called. And I know, I mean, people love Alabama, Tennessee, but it's just not like the Egg Bowl is always interesting. You just never know what's going to happen. That's what I like about it. I'm not saying that's not true with the Iron Bowl, but like, like crazy things have happened, obviously. Um, But it's the Egg Bowl is like the most consistently interesting. It's the only one. It's not the only one. 0-11 Auburn and 0-11 Alabama would still be good. It would still be interesting. Um, Tennessee, Alabama is great. It's the lead up to the Egg Bowl. Florida, Georgia is great. I like. I think. I think uh, South Carolina, Clemson is very undervalued in terms. of I know. How but much I didn't know we get. We got to do non-con. You can if you want. I love South Carolina, Clemson. It's your pod. I, I from a non-conference. I mean, Texas, Texas A and M will quickly become one For of sure. the best, if not the best. Yep. I also LSU, Florida is a good one. But like I, I can't, May, LSU A and M. You guys know me. I love LSU A and M. I, I love know. that. But floor like it hasn't been as as like interesting lately. But when I was a senior, I almost went to LSU, so I wanted to go there and dance. But I ended up going to Vanderbilt. So you could just do those L's. Yeah. Well, those. Yeah. At least stretch your your artistic expression. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, but egg bowl's top rivalry. Just I don't know. I but just when think- I went to LSU, Florida in two thousand eight. I got tickets because I got tickets for free because we were with our older friends who were in a fraternity and all half of them passed out. So they're like, I'm like, can I have your ticket? And they're like, yeah, just take it. You know, like, I mean, they're kind they're awake enough to give me their ticket, but it's like, I'm not saying that's why it's cool. They no, should no, not no, have been no, drinking I, that much. No, I but just, certain, I'm just thinking of all the things that I don't miss as an older person. Now. No, 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 not that passing out drunk, but uh, dating. I, but it was don't, cra- don't miss any of it that was crazy that that was a crazy game to go to and very aggressive. Oh, I, so it's funny because like every time I tweet that rivalry out, I get uh, like I think it's Booger McFarlane who always is like that game is not as important. He's always responding to me and he's like that's not it's not as important. It's not as important. People don't care about it as much. Like Florida and Auburn played every year for like sixty years before the split ninety two. There, I'm just glad with the scheduling model coming back that we're going to see more of those games, but. If you're talking about like the, to me, it has to be in state. Texas, Texas A&M. I think the Florida Georgia one's pretty good, but like Clemson, South Carolina is so hate filled. Louisville, Kentucky is a great rivalry. I, I, I think you have to. To me, what makes a rivalry great is you have to be interwoven in your daily lives. Like it can't like. Yeah, you have to not want to go to work or school the next day because you don't. If you lose, because you don't want right. to see people. You don't know who like. Each row in the pew at church could be a different fan. The the different street in your neighborhood could be different fans. But like you are all Auburn, Alabama fans, or yep. you're all Mississippi State, Ole Miss fans. You like had to pick. I just think Ole. I just think the Egg Bowl is more. It's just I don't know. I think we're just, on the same page about this. There's just something deeper in there. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think that's it. Like I think that's all our superlatives. We we had a oh is I, it? I, no we're no missing. no we're gonna we're gonna do restaurants and bars here um, because we haven't eaten at all the places obviously marching so. band. Go for it. I don't have a. I mean, LSU or Tennessee? I would say Tennessee, but um. All right, so this is tough because there's two different ways to eat food in college campuses. At a restaurant or not? There's uh, an I'm adult. Answering your question. There's an adult way to do it, and the list of names as an adult on my list is very different than the list of names that I would go to if I was like 27, an early. I, like a young adult who's single who's going with his buddies to a game on a tailgate mm-hmm. tour. Like, I'm going to walk-ons in Baton Rouge. I was just about to say walk-ons. If I'm a 27-year-old and single, but I might be going to like, I don't know, parades or something. I might be going someplace nicer. 
So right. my favorite restaurants are like so we went to um, we went to Railbird Fest in Lexington. You're gonna be better at this than me. Let me just say this because yes, thank you. Most say of the that co- again. Can you say that again? You're gonna be better at this than me Good. because I you guys get that most of the time like uh, college and even after college I was either dancing and not going to any place or right. I was working. Right. Every time I went. Right. And, so and I'm not going to be as good at this, but no, I have lot, been to walk-ons. A lot of the same for me. Um, well, yeah. But like, but I've gone to a lot as an adult. Because you got over, to like go eat and then like go to the right. game. I had to like ride with the team. Right. So I went with, exactly. So I went to cover like Auburn spring game when Nick Marshall was the quarterback, like after the year they lost in the national championship game at Auburn. And I went down there and I ate at like Hamilton's and Acre. And mm-hmm. like, these are nice restaurants. Right. The Hound would be like one of my favorite restaurants in the entire SEC. What's because that? Because it, it's like a barbecue joint where you could also get breakfast. That's in and Auburn? Get, and it's in Auburn. All three of these places are in Auburn. You love Auburn. But I, I do. I love, I, I love Auburn. But, but if I go eat at a restaurant, like with my wife, no kids, I'm going to Acre and I'm getting like a really nice dinner. Mm-hmm. Like Lexington. We went to Merrick Inn which is if you're from Nashville, you'll, you'll know Jimmy Kelly's. It's kind of like an, like it just has this old school vibe. It's like in an apartment complex. It's fine. It's very ye old steakhouse, which is another one in Knoxville, which is like, eh, it's okay. The food is good, but you're like paying for like the brand and a, and a kind of like an old South traditional steakhouse right. where it's like, it could be better, you know, right. but it's solid. But I went to Dudley's downtown in Lexington, and I was like, "This is spectacular." Is that this? Is that a steak place? Mm-mm. It's. It, I think I got. I've been to a nice steakhouse in Lexington, but I can't remember what it's called. Every one of these places has great. So, like Knoxville, you could. Go, I had my graduation <laughs> dinner at Chesapeake's, which is a very traditional kind of old old restaurant, but like a nice one. There were very few nice restaurants in Knoxville in 2004. Yeah. But like, if I but when I take my kids back now, we're gonna go to Gus's Good Time Deli. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. two different types of. Ways like, to go in Knoxville. If you're in college, like when I was going uh, to visit friends in Knoxville when I was in college, like I feel like every place we went, I would look around and be like, "Did this used to be a Chili's?" <laughs> That's what everything looks like. Because there were a couple restaurants. Copper kettle. <laughs> like no one. One was tr- wherever the, they give you those like cheese curds or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. place is right on the strip. It definitely used to be a chili. It's like it's a bar now. But like yep. you look around and you're like, I didn't realize how distinct Chili's was until I'm in a place that isn't supposed to be Chili's, but definitely right. was Chili's. Like, What's it called? I have no idea what you're calling. Sean? That, there's a McAllister's or something. I don't know. What What's that, the place is, on the strip in Knoxville that it definitely used to be a Chili's and now it's a bar? They serve those little like cheese curd like things. <laughs> this is great. This is great. Podcasting. I know. I want. No. This is good. We can use the so like city. We can crowdsource okay, you here. Guys, you guys crowdsource. Like city grocery in Oxford, in Oxford is excellent, but it's like Ajax is like mm-hmm. another level. So like there's just different ways to do what it. What bar would you go? We both love the library. I love the library. Is probably, anything on the square in Oxford is probably my favorite. Um, just in general. I, part, I think Lexington is underrated as a town. We didn't really talk about this in the towns, but I think Lexington is... A lot of people look at Lexington and call it like the one of the worst SEC towns. I think it is downtown. It's kind of like Fayetteville. It's got like way more charm than you think. It's a little bit bigger than you think, but yep. it's but it's also still like got this deep deep SEC feel to it. So I I really liked Lexington. Um, it, Auburn is different at you know Starkville and Oxford. Oxford is very very much like your prototypical small college town in the middle of nowhere. But you're you're anything on the square. 
Yeah. Anything on the square in Oxford is good. Anything down the strip in, in Athens is great. Uh, if you're going to go Texas, don't Franklin's barbecue is fine. It's not worth the wait. Ironworks is one of my favorites. If you're in Austin, go to Ironworks. I love that place. But here's what I want. I want you guys to tell us what you like. Yeah. Let's like if you're a Missouri fan, it. tell us what the best two or three places are to go. Cause I'm going to be there in like three months. Like if you're going to Fayetteville, what are the best two or three places to go eat? I want to know from the people who are fans and have done all these places because I have not been to all. Of I these know because I don't even I don't even like even want to speak to any of them because I feel like I'm going to get it wrong. I, I will say I like just the name Lizards Thicket. <laughs> that's in Columbia, well, South here's, Carolina. Here's, that's Sean. Great. If you think of that, please chime in. There, here's the other one um, that I like that I've been to, but I don't I can't remember because I was so young that I can't remember if it was like elite or like just fine. But like Dixie Chicken in College Station was, mm-hmm. was I remember it being fine. It was yep. good. Um, but it's a great name. It's a good name for a, a place. Uh, don't don't come to Nashville and go to Hattie B's. By the way, is if you were in college at I'll Alabama, is it round? Like, is that and didn't everyone go to Rounders? Yes, that's the one across the street. I think from like that's where all the incidents have been taking somewhere. Yeah, there. there's like, like you want to be careful if you're a female in Rounders ever. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So like Dreamland is another one that everyone's going to know and everyone's going to talk about. But if I'm driving through Birmingham, I'm stopping at Saw Soul Kitchen, not Dreamland. Mm-hmm. Saw Soul Kitchen in Avondale, Birmingham might be my favorite non-Nashville restaurant in an SEC. Like, oh, I know, I big. guess it's not technically in an SEC town, but. It's not technically. What is it? But it's the SEC office, so. What? It's not Cool Beans. Cool Beans. It's not Cool Beans. Cool Beans. It's not? It cool Beans was not a restaurant. I think it was Cool Beans. It was not a restaurant. It was a bar. It was a, it's a bar when no, I was No, it was there. a bar that used to be a Chili's. Oh, I I'm telling you, that. I remember because, because yeah, because they called them Cheese Beans or whatever. Oh, okay. I didn't, man, I don't even remember yeah, them. Yeah, Sean, you're right. I don't even remember them serving food. I'm not sure my wife remembers them serving food either. Well, cool I was hungry and I ate there. That was a, but that was a, that was a drinking yeah. capital of the. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate that. Campus. Um. Anyway, so what about a rooster or a Gus's good? I would though. not know where to eat in Starkville, Mississippi. I don't either. The only t- the only only time I've been to Starkville, that's not true. I've been twice: once for a, a dance camp and once to go to a game. Isn't it when you first tried Boone's Farm wine? Yes, that's yeah. the only thing I was there served go. there. I was served chips and Boone's Farm the whole weekend. <laughs> it's not enough to soak up uh, game day All drinking. Right. If, send us your recommendations because we'll be moving around the southeast a little bit more this this season. So just just send us your recommendations. If you Google. There we go. If you Google places to eat or drink when you come to Nashville for a uh, Vanderbilt game, do not believe the articles that say Commodore Grill in the bottom of the Holiday Inn. It's not true. Don't go there. Just I, message us and we'll tell you where to go. Actually, the only place you want to go on West End is Jasper's. Um, other than that, you need to go into the boroughs. You got to go into the boroughs. You gotta There's go to, plenty of places that are not. You got to go to North Nashville. In- you got to go to Sylvan Park. You got to go to Belmont, 12 South, East Nashville. You got to Wedgwood Houston has amazing restaurants. You just can't do. They're down. all close together, though. Yes, don't do. They're all close. Don't do. Da- Nashville's too too small to have like true boroughs. I have an insane list. If anyone needs don't it, don't do downtown and don't really do much on West End. That's all. Yeah. Get, get out. Just get, go like a mile in any direction, and you'll find like really great restaurants. It's true. Okay. Um, but all we right. can give you a long list if you want to know when you're coming to town, and if you want an event space to host a party. You can host Cast it Collective. here. There Thank you, you Braden. I appreciate um, that. And make sure, our th- thanks to our musical guests, of course, um, the Wild Feathers, not our guests. They've just been providing the music for this show for a long time, so we do yeah. appreciate it. All right, uh, we're going to do a State of the Union for Alabama football. We're going to ask the question, is the Alabama dynasty dead? Is it dying? Has Nick Saban lost his touch? We'll do all that in just a minute. We're going to hear from Mike Rodek from AL.com, but quickly, here was my apology on the Paul Feinbaum show. Using the phrase that I was supposed to use 
as requested by South Carolina fans on the Paul Feinbaum show. It was show. the second option, but yeah. Yeah, I didn't, you, I didn't use cocksucker. Here it is. Now listen, I will say this. I'll say it loud and clear on the Paul Feinbaum show for everyone to hear. South Carolina, Shane Beamer, I am sorry. I was dead wrong about your program last year. I was wrong about the year before that. And if I'm wrong again, I will stand up and I will say proudly that I am a cockadoodle doofus if I get it wrong again. But I need to see the consistency out of the quarterback. I need to see it. I want to see the offensive line develop. And I was wrong last year. Many of us were wrong last year, and we are sorry. I'm apologizing openly. But I need to see a couple more things before we start talking about South Carolina in that Georgia, Tennessee, that top-tier category in the East. And, yes, I know the score of the game between South Carolina and Tennessee. All right, was that a sufficient enough apology? I said I was wrong multiple times about multiple seasons live on the Paul Feinbaum show and called myself a cockadoodle doofus and said if I'm wrong again, I'll say I'm wrong again. It's just everything that you do with them is like comes with stipulations. It's just conditional. It's like, yeah, you you kind of do it and then you take it back every time. You never just apologize and stick it. You're like, but also y'all aren't very good. And it's like, well, that doesn't feel. So I'm the Simone Biles of. You <laughs> are some. I don't know if I'm I. quitting at the end. Don't compare yourself to champions, Brady. Uh, South Carolina fans, look at me. I am sorry Mm-mm. for being wrong about your team. Each of the last two seasons. Braden's apologies. No, yours is like, I'm sorry shush, shush. if you feel shush, that shush. way. It's like, that's not an apology. That was a direct for apology. Doing- I could not apologize any more clearly than that with no stipulations. You didn't mm-hmm. let me finish. I'm a cockadoodle doofus. I'm sorry. Full stop. No, no stipulations. Okay, move you on. Got it? Move on and don't say anything else. Go Cox. Here's our conversation with Mike Rodak of AL.com. Mike, thanks for joining us, man. Welcome to the show. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. So before we get into the actual depth chart and the strengths and weaknesses of this Alabama team, maybe expectations, which of course are sky high uh, for all Crimson Tide fans, uh, I just I want to know, in your opinion, if you had to guess, what, what is the driving force behind Nick Saban eventually deciding, I- I'm done, enough is enough, and I'm going to retire? So he's he's a guy who has adapted well to all the changes in college football past 10, 15 years. I mean, there's the whole thing with the spread offense that he said, is this what we want football to be? And then that's what Alabama became. And they won national championships doing that. He's adapted, I think, to the transfer portal into NIL. And he's probably continuing to adapt to that. I don't, I don't think they're fully there yet. But um, at some point, I do think all the changes to the game and how different the game is from where it was 20, 30 years ago when he was, you know, first coaching as a head coach. I do think that eventually will force him out um, or cause him to say, I no longer want to deal with this system that, I mean, he's openly complained about it. Um, you know, I think even a couple months ago, he was, he was talking to Stephen A and, and he said, you know, it's, I'd rather have the the NFL system where you have contracts and a salary cap and players <laughs> are employees and everything's kind of settled that way than just the free for all that it is currently. Um, and I, again, I think they'll try to find ways to to be as competitive as they can be within this system. But um, at some point, you know, he might just say, this is not what I want to be doing. I don't want to be in his words, soliciting money from donors to pay our players. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
yeah, I, again, he's a guy who I think loves to adapt, loves to kind of get up to whatever changes are happening, but at some point they'll catch up to him. That's so fascinating because they used to just have bagmen for that at Alabama and everywhere else in college football. Uh, it's so fascinating because normally the, the complaints are generally like actually threats, right? Like, I, hey, I'm complaining about this, but if you don't fix it, I'm going to use it to 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 like beat you down. And what I find fascinating is part of the reason he left the Dolphins in the first place was that he did not like the player acquisition process. He knew he could outwork people. And and, and so it to me, I don't know what you think. To me, it's it's sort of like I don't think I can do as well as I'm supposed to do. Is that, does that make sense? Like Nick Saban minute by minute, day by day has like an expectation of himself from like meeting to meeting. And if like, he can't do the best job up to his own standards, is that, is that you put, you put that together with all the rule changes, you put that together with maybe he keeps losing to Kirby smart. Like, I don't know. Like, is it, you know, he's not a young guy. Like, is all that the stuff that just eventually happens in the next couple of years? Well, that's that's kind of what he says is, you know, when I retire and he's he's been asked this a lot recently, you know, what will cause you to retire? And essentially says, if I don't feel like I'm, you know, fully helping the program, if, I, if I'm not, right. um, you know, giving them everything that they need or, or dragging the program down is essentially what he said. And, you know, again, I don't think they're they're there yet. Um, but, you know, with the, the player acquisition, too, it's, you know, it, it's there's still it's not as much of a strategic advantage as it once was for them. I think Nick Saban kind of loved operating in that environment where he could say, come to Alabama. Uh, we're going to make you into an NFL player. Look how much our players have made in the NFL. Look how many first round picks we have. Uh, yeah. Get an education and all that. And he could sell players on all that stuff. And I, I do think there's a lot of players that came to Alabama because of that, uh, you know, competing against the best and all those things, all those selling points that he made. And now those aren't always the most important things to players. It's, well, are you giving me 300,000 or 700,000 to come? Yeah. And, and that's what players are kind of looking at right now. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I still think he has a couple more years left. I mean, he's 72 this year. I think he can coach into his mid seventies easily, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's gonna be coaching until he's 80. It's, it's just, I, it's just hilarious to hear a sentence like, I, the problem with Alabama is Nick Saban. Like that that seems like a crazy thing to think about. Um which I know it's all it's all in his own head and his own expectation. I get all of that. Um the quarterback situation like I I always thought most of January, February, March, most of the spring, we're, you know, the Athlon we, I work at Athlon, we're putting the Athlon magazine out, uh athlonsports.com by the way. Um we almost all assumed Ty Simpson would be the guy, he would win the job because he stretched the field vertically a lot more than Jalen Milrow. Milrow sort of gives them like a Jalen Hurts freshman year like level that they can the floor that's pretty nice. But Tommy Reese has a very close relationship with Tyler Buckner. Is this more creating competition and just seeing the cream rise to the top or is this more I watch spring practice and I am a little bit more concerned than I was in January? Do you have any idea which one that is? I lean towards the latter um, because I, I do think when you look at Ty Simpson, he's been here since December of 2021. So that's, you know, by the time that spring practice was over, that was 17 months in the program. Jalen Milrow has been here since I think January of 2020 um, and or January, 2021. And that's, you know, almost three years. Like it, it's been a while for these guys. Um, and at some point you see them on practice field this many times, you see them in the meeting rooms, like, you just kind of figure out what they are. And I think that's the point where Nick Saban got with those guys is he kind of knew what he had in them and he, he thought that he needed something better. Um, now, is the question, is Tyler Buckner better? 
you know, I think one of the big problems that Nick Saban had during spring practice was Simpson and, and Milrow with big turnovers and big mistakes. We saw it out of Milrow in a spring game where he was in the end zone, just kind of chucked the ball up as a, a dumb interception. Um, Buckner has issues with interceptions too. I mean, his interception rate is, is pretty bad. Um, even in the Notre Dame spring game, I think he threw one on, on 10 passes. So, um, you know, that's, you're not exactly correcting that by bringing him in. I think there's a risk of having another turnover prone quarterback, but again, I think you have Nick Saban looking at this as, well, I got to go find somebody better. I know what I have in the two guys that I, I are already on the roster. And in this case, you know, Saban always says like he, he won't bring a transfer in if he doesn't feel like he can make an immediate impact, if he doesn't feel like he could be a starter. I don't think they're just bringing in Buckner just, you know, push Ty Simpson and motivate him or just kind of be competition in the room. Like this is a legitimate uh, guy who can start. Obviously, like you said, the relationship with Tommy Reese is, is also pretty important there where they go back a lot further than, than Tommy does with, with Miller or, or Ty. Is the rest of this offense outside of maybe Jameer Gibbs, is the rest of this offense better around the quarterback than it was last year? Uh, debatable. You know, I think wide receiver, I think they have potential to be better, but it's the same group. I mean, it's, it's mostly the same. They didn't have anybody go up for the draft at wide receiver. So it's Ja'Cory Brooks and Jermaine Burton are your top two guys right now. There's a lot of optimism around Malik Benson. The, the Juco transfer came in. You can stretch the field. Um, didn't really do much in the spring game until the final drive and had four catches against the walk-on corner. So, you know, we'll have to see how that plays out in the fall. Um, but they need, I remember my first year covering this team, my first game was Jerry Judy, 80-yard touchdown in the first <laughs> game. Second game I covered, Henry Ruggs took a slant pass 75 yards. They just had those guys that yeah. just it waddle, like Devontae Smith. They don't have those guys right now. Or at least we haven't seen that out of the wide receivers that they have. So that's a work in progress. I think running back does have a chance to be better. I think they really, really like what they have in, in Justice Haynes, the freshman who came in. Um you know, Jace McClellan, Roydell Williams are kind of the incumbents and, and might have the best chance to have the biggest roles. But I think Haynes could really push himself into a potentially a primary role at running back. So they could be better at running back. But overall, you know, the offense was saved last year by Bryce Young a lot of times. And, you know, if you don't have that quarterback this year, it's hard to say it's going to be better. At coordinator, I, I would argue personally that I think they, they, they they're in a better situation in those two spots, defensive and offensive coordinator. Do the fans feel that way? Are the fans happier with the two guys they have now, or are they wrong about that? There's there's always kind of a novelty factor, I think, with coordinators. And I, you know, I used to cover the NFL and I still follow the Buffalo Bills and uh, the team that I covered. And everybody up there is like, we need a new coordinator. Then they go out and get one. And it's like, oh, we hate this guy now. We need another one. It's always yeah. the coordinators are always going to catch the most flack, especially at Alabama where not a lot of fans are going to criticize Nick Saban. So it always kind of flows down to both coordinators. And right now you have two guys who haven't had the chance to screw up yet. So uh, in contrast to Bill O'Brien and, and Pete Golding, who everybody <laughs> kind of saw the last few years and like, oh, we don't want those guys. But they still had a top 10 defense last year. Their offense was still pretty good, even if, even if it wasn't what it was, uh, you know, under Steve Sarkeesian. So we'll have to see if those guys, if the new guys can do better. But I think fan-wise, there's more optimism just because they're new and they're different. Yeah, yeah. The, the OC always uh, the easiest and first punching bag of every team that's not playing perfect football. Um, I, I So that, like, I, I struggled with this a lot last season, trying to analyze what they were, Alabama. 
And uh, uh, sometimes the simplest answer is the one that's right in front of you. Like they're two plays away from being 12 and 0. They're also a couple of plays away from being eight and four. And therefore, they are just 10 and two. <laughs> like that's just what they are. Um, with their current roster the way it is, I mean, this is still one of the best rosters, one to 85 in all of college football. They still have the greatest coach of all time. Uh, they still are very talented on the staff and at quarterback. Whether whether one of those three guys is great, we don't know. But they're still pretty talented. Is, is this team LSU's not fully mature yet? Is a phrase that I would use in terms of like championship status. Georgia clearly is. Is this team closer to like third in the in the SEC? Third with like Tennessee and LSU. Are they closer to like bouncing back and being up there battling with Georgia like they did two years ago in the SEC title game? Do you get a sense as as to like which direction this team leans? Because I can't imagine they're much worse than third or fourth in the conference at at, at worst case scenario. Right. Yeah. Worst case scenario, you know, they lose three games this year. But you're right. I mean, they could have lost five games last year, even like the Ole Miss game came down to the final play, really, in the yep. red zone, the Texas game, Texas A&M game. They all they won all three of those. Um, and that team, I think, honestly, was better because of Bryce Young and Will Anderson than this team is, uh, as we kind of have seen it so far. So and, you know, this is my fifth season covering the team. I've kind of watched Alabama before that. I, I, this is probably the the worst team that I've seen. Again, we haven't really seen them in the game yet, but just on paper, um, you know, just the most uncertain team that I've seen so far. Now there's moving parts to that, like in terms of being closer to first or third, like I think Georgia like could slip a little bit. And so that brings them, brings Alabama closer to the first place. But I think there's a, there's a feeling that's growing around here that like, Georgia's entrenched in that top spot in the SEC, and now it's up to Alabama to try to figure out a way to to knock them off. And that's that's different, obviously, than it was a couple of years ago. And, yeah, you have teams like LSU. I mean, we'll have to see with Tennessee and some of the losses they've had offensively. But, I mean, that's an offense that gave Nick Saban all sorts of trouble last year. Um, yeah, I I would honestly say they're closer to third uh, than, than they are in the first in the SEC. It, the schedule does help, right? Like a lot of those tough games that they had last year, Texas, LSU, Tennessee in particular, all of those games are, are coming at home. Um, yeah. Defensively, they're probably still another top 10 team. So I, I guess the, the the depth chart on the defense, is there anything that a couple safeties go to the NFL, you lose Will Anderson, but uh, you know, are there, are the question marks, those uncertainty things that you're talking about? Like, do you, are there more concerns at the quarterback and on offense or defense you sort of just think all right plug and play rotate next five star up is that more how we feel about the defense uh to some extent yeah I, I think the offense is the bigger concern because of quarterback but the defense still lost eight starters and you know anderson's the biggest one because teams had the game plan around him i don't think they have a guy right now that can make that sort of impact i mean dallas turner is probably the closest but yeah he's not will anderson so um you know it, they're they're still very very talented i think on the edges uh, they they get a lot of five star corners. They get a lot of five star edge rushers. Um, we'll have to see up the middle of the field. You know, at defensive tackle, inside linebacker, safety. I think those are the bigger question marks. They feel really good about Caleb Downs, the five star freshman safety who came in. Um, you know, top ten sort of prospect, and he'll start right away. But I think the secondary as a whole is still a little bit of a question mark. You know, that second corner spot that gave them some trouble last year. They thought Eli Ricks was going to be that guy. Terry and Arnold was in there. Um, you know, they went out to the portal a couple weeks ago, got Trey Amos from from Louisiana. 
Um, you know, they got the UAB safety, Jalen Key, potentially start next to Caleb Down. So there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of new faces, some younger guys back there. The secondary, I think, I don't want to say it's an issue, but it's it's an unknown at this point. I think, you know, Cooley and McKinstry and Downs, you can get some solid play out of the other three or four guys. We'll let's have to see. Yep. Uh, uh, we'll let you go. Ultimately, it's May, but there are more questions about the trajectory of Alabama football in this May than ever before. That does not mean we should be writing the obit about the dynasty because many, many uh, old takes exposed writing that that obituary of, of the, the Saban dynasty have been wrong every single time. And I would not bet against him, but it does feel like, like for the first time in a long time, I'm saying, well, this, this is a rebuilding year and it's all about 2024. So is this a sign of just a blip? Is this just a dip because of all the factors and trying to maintain that certain level of excellence is virtually impossible at every school in America, no matter where you are, or or is this a, a do you have a larger concern about the overall trajectory? Of, you know, considering the things we just talked about with Saban, his age, and the, the rule changes and everything else. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on how you define dynasty, and I think this came up a lot when I covered the Patriots um, because you know people would always call them a dynasty. They went ten years between winning Super Bowls, two thousand five to two thousand fourteen season, basically. And but they were still competing every single year. They were right. still right up there. And obviously now they aren't. So I think, is it a question of were they a dynasty when they were winning championships or when they were competing for championships? Obviously, they aren't now when they're not. Alabama, were, you know, are they did they need to be winning championships once every two years, once every three years in order to be called a dynasty? Or can they just be a really, really good football team that maybe falls short? You know, they're fifth in the country last year. Does that still make them a dynasty? I don't know. What a, what a, what a bunch of losers. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it, it all depends on perspective. I, I do think fans around here have a, a really high standard, and that's just, yeah. Yeah. you know, how college football is. Um, but, you know, like I said, I, there's a couple more year, years left in Nick Saban. Um, yeah, that's it's not – I don't think it's 10 years left, so there's not a whole lot of runway to, to win more with him. Uh, but the recruiting's still still there. I mean, they have one of the top quarterbacks in the class coming in next year. I think for them, it's retaining all these recruits because they lose a lot through the transfer portal. You can have a great class, and then a year or two later, 30%, 40% of them are gone. Um, And then it's just, you know, NIL has even the the playing field a little bit between the top teams where you have schools with more money like Texas and Oregon and and those places that can pay guys more. And that Alabama advantage kind of drips away a little bit. So they're dealing with that, but... I don't think anybody's going to say they're not a top 10 team in the country this year. So again, it's all perspective. If they're not number one, maybe they're number four or five and kind of depends on where you, where you put that. Yeah. Preseason number five, a major down year for Alabama. Uh, Mike, thank you so much, man. We do appreciate you. Uh, uh, Obviously you got lots of other stuff going on between now and football season, but we'll see you at SEC media days. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. You got it. Thank you. That was Mike Rodak of AL.com, our Alabama State of the Union. And before we let everybody go today, Aaron, I mean, I think I think the demise of Nick Saban's dynasty has been written about way, 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 way too many times. What are you doing up there? I'm looking at these hats. Playing with the hats. Looking at these hats. And I, I think I, while I am concerned about the Alabama quarterback situation, and I really like Georgia and LSU this year, and I think the schedule is very difficult for Alabama – I think the, what Michael Bratton of that SEC podcast said last week, and I think what Mike just alluded to there, is that we are not – I don't agree that we are nearing the end of the dynasty. But I want to know, 
Are you generally concerned Nick Saban being up there in age relative to his competitors? Georgia being great, LSU being great potentially for a while, Tennessee rebounding, the best Ole Miss in Arkansas we've seen in a while. Like there's just a lot of really good around Nick Saban now. Do you think we are trending in a direction that says maybe that the dynasty part of his coaching tenure is over or is he going to win like four out of seven? Like, I don't, th- I, I, I think there's a middle ground here, but I want to know what you think. I don't, I, I do think it's getting harder. I think it's getting tougher, but no, I don't think you can write off someone like Nick Saban that quickly and say it's the end of a dynasty because, you know, they didn't win last two years. I mean, that's, that's pretty quick, but I do think it's getting harder. And I think with the additions to the SEC and like seeing programs like LSU and Georgia find their footing, that's, I mean, Georgia more so. Tennessee. Um, Tennessee, um, that it's going to get harder because it's not just two teams existing in that upper tier. It's like closer to five being able to go at it at once. Hugh Freeze will make Auburn better. No, I'm not concerned about Nick Saban. No, I'm not either. But I, there are, I will admit, while I don't think there's some like hot take here that says it's the end of the dynasty, I do think that there are signs of, and how about this? There are reasons to ask the questions more so today than ever before, which is again, age, how long do you want to keep doing this? The, 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 the landscape around you has gotten significantly more difficult. Texas and Oklahoma are joining in. NIL, portal, playoff expansion. It's all, college football is about so many more different things than just outworking and out-recruiting the other guy, which is what Saban has built. And so I could see him in two years just being like, ah, I'm good. Whether he wins a title or not, mm-hmm. I don't think that signals the end of his – I mean, I guess technically it's the end of his career – and then, therefore, the end of his dynasty. But I don't think he's losing it. I don't think he's losing. No. Like, I think his roster is still one of the best rosters in America this year. No. So. Whoever said, yeah, it's, it's not. We have no proof that. I mean, they were two plays away from being 12-0 and 0 last year. They were two plays away from being 8-4 and 4 last year. Yeah. So which one is it? We don't know. They probably were just 10-2. and 2. I'm I am far from concerned. Yeah, I'm not either. Uh, special thanks to Mike Rodak. We apologize. I excuse me. I apologize to South Carolina. Uh, make sure you check out the Cast Collective. Make sure you check out Wild Feathers as well. Um, obviously, Sean P Diddy Combs for getting this whole thing up on YouTube. Subscribe, yeah. rate, can review. Can Sean P Diddy Combs have that also, hat for nope, all of his work? I, this one actually has been worn many times by me. Well, can you get Sean so one? I can absolutely get one for Sean. That's he'll want that exact one. You want the one. black one, Sean? Sean, do you like this hat? You want the black one? Look at this black one. It's pretty sweet. Look how cool this hat is. I'm making Braden get I have one. worn it so many times you don't want this one. <laughs> okay. Well, These other ones have not been worn. I haven't been wearing the Florida one, so you're good. Uh, otherwise, thanks for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Turn on the notifications. Follow her on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan, at Aaron underscore Dugan on Instagram, at 440sports as well. And you can get to me at Braden Gall. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. This has been Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. Peace. And blessings. Best wishes. When I say best wishes, I really want someone to say warmest regards. I've never seen anybody do so many things, wrong things, one after the other, consecutively in a row.